Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Hey, beautiful. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here and to just like have access to your wisdom and you today. So welcome. Thank you so much, Amy. I'm so excited. (laughs) So excited. So uh, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes. So my name is Tori Feldman. I'm the founder of Sacred Ancestry. And the work that I do is I support women to connect to the wisdom that lives within their bodies from ancestors, from past lives, and just the feminine wisdom of the womb space. So I weave in all of those realms together. Amazing. Can already tell our audience is going to be obsessed with you. So (laughs) why don't we dive right in? I know at the moment you're talking a lot to this really important piece of healing that's maybe not the most known and that is healing the witch wound. And this is like so interesting to me because I've done some healing around this myself and I think that it affects so many things in this modern lifestyle, but it's not necessarily like the most obvious thing that I think people would think Mm -hmm. to do when they're healing, say like their confidence or speaking online as a business owner or sharing their truth in the world. So I would be really curious to hear from you, what is the witch wound and how do we know if we're navigating this? Yeah. So the witch wound is something that actually lives within every woman And it's this bodily nervous system, ancestral remembrance that is literally woven into our body, every cell of our body and our DNA that remembers all of the times that women have been persecuted or shamed or shunned for listening to their intuition, for shining in their magic, for being different, for using their voice. And so whether or not you have an ancestor who is a witch or you remember past lives as a witch, even if you don't resonate with that word witch at all, this is a bodily remembrance as well as a societal wound. It's like really deeply just pervasive in this patriarchal society that tells women through conditioning, through everything that we're taught, that it's actually not okay or safe to be in our sexuality, to use our voices, to set boundaries, to shine in our magic, etc. So the witch wound is something that I'm so 
so passionate about. And like you said, it's something that a lot of people just don't think to even look at. But it's because our ancestors went through this, because women through time have gone through this, even like our mothers or grandmothers, right? And even just watching the media, like how many times have we seen in the media that the witch is portrayed as something negative or the woman who listens to her intuition is called crazy or, you know, a woman expressing her emotions is crazy even. And all of the, you know, sexual trauma that comes along with that too, of how, how scared so many women are even if they haven't experienced sexual trauma yet to be in their sexual essence and walk around in this world. We're taught that that's dangerous, that we're going to be attacked for it. And this is all related to the witch wound. So it's something that is able to be unwound from our bodies, from our nervous systems and from our psyches. So I'm so excited to dive in deeper with you on this. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, so many things are coming up for me as you say that. Like I actually even heard this really funny thing the other day. You know how like women are obsessed with having pockets in their dresses because designers never put pockets in dresses. Apparently that literally started because like if you had things in your pockets, like back in the days of when they were burning the witches, they would just literally execute you because they were like, you must be hiding things in your dress, like crystals and herbs and these things. And I was like, isn't that wild? Like that, that is still something that is pervasive even now. And we don't necessarily like know the origins of certain things, but these wounds are still alive in the world that we're in. It's so true. And it also weaves into beauty standards and the way that we feel about the way that we look and the way that we live in our bodies. Like how many of us literally have like a mole or a birthmark that we were taught is ugly. Like I have one to the right of my right eye and I was always teased for it in school. And I remember I used to go into these really witchy trance states when I was a teenager and I had friends who didn't understand it. Like I I didn't understand it quite frankly because I wasn't raised by parents or by a society who understood the spiritual. And so whenever I went into these trance-like states, my voice would change. Like I was opening up as a channel. My friends would tease me and call me a witch and laugh at me. And I became like a spectacle in my friend group whenever I would go into these trances. And then I stopped feeling safe. I started feeling paranoid. I started worrying what other people thought of me. So it goes so deep. And even, you know, like women who have too much red in their hair were persecuted as witches. Women who wore red were persecuted as witches. Like the most simple things is having a birthmark or just listening to your intuition or being in tune with the spiritual world, which we as women are so deeply, naturally, innately in tune with the spiritual world. It's like we were taught that it's not safe to be ourselves or to express ourselves in our full soul truth and our full magic. And so a part of healing the witch wound is getting in touch with our magic again and clearing away the layers of shame and judgment that we felt and that we've felt towards ourselves so that we can access our most innate feminine nature and our truth and also our birthright to abundance. Like it weaves into so many things because if we don't feel safe to shine on our magic or share our gifts or express our spiritual gifts, then that is going to be a block for our sexual essence to flow, for abundance to flow in our lives. And I know that you're really passionate about those subjects too. Yeah, totally. I feel like everything you're saying is so alive in the collective right now as well, just given the current climate of the way the world is and like so much emphasis right now 
on people all doing one thing or only trusting in this one voice on a topic and people being cancelled if they have like a non-logical point of view or a non-like science-backed, verified by exploits, experts point of view. And it's like, for me, it kind of it like kind of enrages me in some moments because I'm like, women have this deep intuition and it's so misunderstood by the world. Um, you did this really great post the other day and it was talking about like all these words uh, that signified witch in Europe and like older cultures and you were saying how all of these words for witch emphasize the spiritual gifts and the powers of prophecy and healing and herbal knowledge and shamanic flight and all of these things whereas like I think most people would think of that as like a negative word um so for the women listening who are spiritual women which the majority of my listeners are or they want to be but they're afraid how might they start to look at this wound and uh where might this wound be showing up in really like modern day uh circumstances like day-to-day you know modern living that we're currently in Mm, such a good question Yeah, I love that you touched upon the etymology of the word witch. And like you said, in old European languages, it meant like seer, knower, wise woman, healer. And it wasn't weaponized until the 15th century. It became an accusatory term that was used to kill, you know, tens of thousands of women. The highest estimate is somewhere around 9 million women And of course, the women who were burned were not only witches, like maybe some of them were actually practicing magic, but so many of them were just women, you know? And so as far as beginning to see how this shows up in our modern day, the list goes on and on. And I talked about some of it earlier. And I want to share with you, these are the five signs that someone might have the witch wound, especially for those of us in our spiritual community here. So number one is that you often hold back your truth out of fear of what others will think of you, right? So this is the belief that if you share your truth, then someone will judge you. And that judgment isn't just the mind freaking out. It's actually an embodied nervous system trauma response to stay silent in the moments that we want to speak our truth, whether it's a big truth or whether it's just like letting our voice be heard in a social circle, even around people that we feel comfortable with or we think that we feel comfortable with. It's this need to perform. And in that performing, it's like you need to smile. You need to look this way. You need to say the right things in order to be accepted and in order to be liked. So this has a lot to do with the people pleaser and the unworthiness wound. So when you hold back your truth out of fear of what others will think of you, that's one of the signs. Number two is that you have spiritual gifts, but you're nervous to share them with the world. And I'm so passionate about this one. This is what I'm so excited to support women through because the world freaking needs our gifts and not just the world, but also our lineages, our ancestors. Like think of all the women through time, including all of the women in your lineage who literally weren't able to come out and express their sexuality or share their spiritual gifts. And so whether your spiritual gift is your intuition or you know how to channel or you do Reiki or you know you just know how to heal or you can talk to plants, all of those gifts are needed. And it's not only helping to heal our world, it's literally liberating all of the women through time who had to hide those gifts 
who were living in a world where it wasn't safe to share them. And there are still so many women today who aren't safe to share them, who aren't safe to use their voice. And so through offering our gifts to the world, our spiritual gifts, even if we're nervous, even if we're scared, it helps to repattern what is happening in the collective. It helps to repattern what's been happening in our DNA, and it helps to repattern our nervous systems and to entrain us to know that it's safe to share that again. So if anyone's listening and you have spiritual gifts, but you're nervous to share them because what will people think, or it literally feels like death in your nervous system, like you know, it could be the death of relationships or friendships or, you know, anything. I just want to encourage you that you're not alone and your gifts are freaking needed here. So that's number two. Number three is that you want to be your most liberated self, but you're afraid of the impact it would have on your relationships. And so this isn't just about spiritual gifts or shining in your, shining in your magic. It's about literally like, I see this so much in you, Amy, like you are just such an unapologetic, like bright, bold, like sensual woman. And I think a lot of people are afraid to step into that for themselves in their own unique expression, right? Like we all have a liberated woman within us who wants to be unleashed, but so many people hold back because they're afraid of how it would impact their relationships with other people. Like if I start expressing my wild woman, if I start sharing my truth, if I step into my most liberated self, what friends would fall away? What family members wouldn't get me? So that is number three. Number four, the fourth sign that you might have the witch wound is that you fear being attacked or persecuted for expressing your voice or your magic or your feminine power. And so this is something that you touched upon earlier, which is, you know, in this world where so many people are listening to their intuition, subjects such as body sovereignty, etc., that is such a beautiful, bold way to stand up for the wisdom of the feminine body. And like the feminine intuition has historically literally been attacked and persecuted. And so when we hold a fear of being attacked or persecuted for sharing our voice or our magic or our feminine power, that's a big way that it shows up. And then number five, this is the last one is that you want to connect to your intuition and your emotions, but you've been taught that if you do, then you're crazy. So if any of you listening are like, ah, <laughs> what will it mean about me if I listen to my intuition, if I feel my emotions fully, like, you know, that even that self-judgment of like, am I making this up? Is it just my imagination? Like if you have visions during meditations and you finish the meditation and you wonder like, was that even real? Like, how do I know that was real? Is my mind just making things up? That's another sign that you have the witch wound. It's basically doubting your intuition and doubting your feminine power and still in some way having that old patriarchal voice that tells you that you're crazy for having these gifts that you have. Yeah. Wow. I feel like so many people who are listening are going to be resonating with like maybe even all of these and I can even think back to points in my journey where I really felt these so strongly. And even recently, uh, like earlier in the year, I was getting really badly trolled and I had like this full like nervous system response to it. And it's a portal for healing, but it's like a portal for healing if we look at it, you know, and we don't just play small and just contract within ourselves and comply and just you know, be the good girl and actually use it as an opportunity to say like, hey, this is who I am and I'm going to liberate this part of myself that is afraid. Mm. Oh my God. 
I resonate so much with that. The good girl archetype is so (laughs) big. That's a huge subject. And, you know, a lot of us literally have worn this mask of the good girl or the people pleaser or the one who's always nice, the one who's accommodating. And in that, it's like we're clenching around this identity of who we need to be in the world in order to be accepted or loved or fit in. And a huge part of that is fearing that if we express our true self, then we won't belong. And I love, Amy, that you've created this space, like your podcast and your Instagram and your community, where people can literally come and step into their most like wild, unapologetic self and feel that sense of belonging. And I think feeling that sense of belonging and letting go of the good girl, like finding that community is so essential to actually being able to let all of those old patterns go because it's literally like our nervous system. If we don't have that community, if we don't, if we aren't around sisters who see us like truly deeply see us and celebrate us for our magic, then we're not going to safely make that transition from one way of being into another. Like it literally feels like death. That's a part of the witch wound is women who let go of the good girl and decided to be their full selves literally died for it. And so that's still living in our nervous system. So it's amazing that women such as yourself and also, you know, myself and the containers that I create, we're allowing the space for women to safely make that transition in their nervous systems too, allowing for them to feel that it's safe to let go of the good girl. So that's super essential. And I love that you brought that up. Amazing. So powerful. I would be really curious to hear, love, how you went from, you know, the story that you told earlier when you were a child and you were entering these trance states and like what the journey of reclamation was for you um, and like the challenges and, you know, how did you become so liberated and like unleash your witchy badass in the way that you now do online and the work that you do? Like what was the, the journey for you? Mm. I'm so excited to share this and I'm also like oh my gosh there's so much let's see if I can put it in more of a nutshell so yeah even as a child I mean that story I shared was when I was a teenager even as a child I remember having these visions and these inner knowings like I think that I'm not alone in this I was fascinated with ancient Egypt I just read everything that I could about ancient Egypt when I was like seven and eight years old. And I remember when I was nine in fourth grade, I got my hand onto books about the witches and I was fascinated by it. And I remember I was probably five or six years old when I started having visions of creatures or beings in my room. And they were really fantastical. Like there was a giant spider with a lion's head and just like all of these creatures would crawl around my room at night. And I didn't know what was (laughs) happening. And I was like, what is this? Oh my God, it's scary. And so my parents got me a blindfold so I could sleep with a blindfold at night. And when I put the blindfold on, I could literally still see the entire room like the lights were on. I could see the fan moving. I had like complete psychic vision of the room and I still saw the beings, but I started telling myself they're not real. You have a blindfold on like this is all in your imagination. Right. And so over time, as I, you know, came into my late teenage years, I started the spiritual path when I was 19 I started going to spiritual gatherings. I went to rainbow gatherings. I started teaching and facilitating women's circles because I felt so called to be in a safe space and to create a safe space where I could feel 
not only safe to express my gifts, but like people wanted them, you know? And so I started getting into this world of facilitation and a huge part of that was healing myself. Like I took the direct route of like, okay, you want to step into your magic. You want to own this fully, like, let's go, (laughs) let's go all in, let's be seen in it. And so I didn't really tiptoe around it. I just threw myself in. I found myself a spiritual community. I found incredible mentors on my path. I was taken under the wing of two founders of an intentional off-grid community who were elder, and they taught me everything they knew about meditation, about dream work, permaculture, building labyrinths, crystals, you name it. And so I went to my first Vipassana meditation when I was 19, and that really catapulted me onto the journey. And I didn't realize until I was 23 that all of those years, like my entire freaking life, I was an open channel. And being an open channel is a beautiful thing when you have boundaries and you're connected to the divine. But I was never taught about boundaries. And so I went on a whole initiation. I ended up going to Peru for three months and two shamans took me under their wing as an apprentice. And I had entire ceremonies like for two weeks straight where I sat with them and they literally encouraged me to open up my channel and to channel songs in other languages, like languages that haven't existed on this planet for thousands of years or never have. Like, for example, they would tell me to channel the song of Palo Santo and I'd be like, I don't know what that sounds like. Okay. And it closed my eyes and breathe. And I would literally just like this song would come out of me. And after finishing, they were like, yep, that's it. (laughs) And so after that experience in Peru, working with medicine, I whew, I came back to the States and had a really shocking realization through connecting with spirit guides that I was an open channel and that not everything I was connecting with was pure light. And so I went through a whole initiation where I actually decided for two years straight to shut down my spiritual gift of channeling and to stop connecting to spirit guides, which was my life. It was actually also a part of my business. I helped other people connect to their spirit guides and learn how to channel. So I shut all of that down and just decided for two years to do what I call a spiritual fast. And I just connected straight to source. I didn't want any middlemen. I didn't want like putting any spirit guides between myself and source. And so during that time, I cleared out any distortion, any confusion that I had around what I was connecting to. I wanted to experience the light like directly. And then coming out of that experience, learned how to set boundaries and how to use my spiritual gifts in a healthy, aligned way, connected with the divine and knowing that what was moving through me was actually for the highest good of all and was actually going to be healthy for my body too. A lot of what I was experiencing in my body was like, I was always tired. I had eczema all over my skin and going through this period of purification and setting boundaries, I came really deeply and really strongly into my body. I started embodying my soul, which is a whole other topic that I always teach about in my courses too. So that was a big part of the journey and what ultimately guided me here to do this work. And of course, there's a lot more, but that's the nutshell version. (laughs) Amazing. So good to hear all of that. And I'm curious how it was for you with family, because I really get the feeling that there's a lot of light workers and really amazing gift holders in the world who hold back because of family and because of the fear of persecution, particularly if they have like religious family or, you know, religious kind of 
ancestry. And mm-hmm. I know even like for me, like my, I love my mother-in-law, but she's like really Christian and like, I'm not allowed to mention astrology, <laughs> you know, and I'm wow. like, okay. you know, and I'm lucky personally, like my parents are very open-minded and not particularly like religious in any way. So I've always been free to explore that part of me without any kind of fear of being abandoned or fear of persecution from my family. But I know that so many of the women that I work with are like terrified of accessing God, source, spirit directly because they've been really taught that that is not allowed. Mm. Oh, my God. Yes. This is so important. So I think the first step around, you know, clearing away that fear of persecution from one's own family is, first of all, trusting in your gifts and trusting that your gifts are connected to the divine. So working on the belief systems and the voices in our mind that we probably were told since we were little that tell us that it's not safe to be doing what we're doing. It's evil. It's bad. It's wrong. It's harmful. It's crazy. So first step would be, you know, diving in and finding that truth within ourselves, so that we are deeply connected to the divine and we trust that our spiritual gifts are as well so that we can use them for the highest good of ourselves and the world. And then when we do that, I believe we start emanating this energy that I call like this unfuckwithable energy. I feel, and I think that even people who, you know, are very deeply indoctrinated in religion, I think that on some level they can feel in their body when they're in the presence of someone who is deeply connected to the divine, even if it doesn't fit into their worldview of what that usually looks like. So myself, for instance, when I'm around family that's religious, somehow they see me, like they see that I am so connected to God in my own unique way and they can relate to that. And in that, like they feel that my nervous system and my body is relaxed in my connection. And I, it's like an energetic thing. It's like you emanate this knowing and this connection to the divine that their mind might try to trick them. That isn't true. That isn't true. But their body can feel it. Their nervous system can pick up on that. Their heart can pick up on the heart feel that we're emanating. And so even in the moments when the minds of our family are, you know, in an old story of persecution, I think deep down, they know the truth. And that can be really triggering for some people, right? Like for a relative who is deeply religious but in that, it allows for us to feel safe in expressing ourselves, And we don't need to express our full self necessarily with family unless that's like your path and you feel really called to. Like for you with your mother-in-law, how you can't talk about astrology. And like boundaries can be healthy. You know, just like talking about politics at a dinner table is probably not going to bring the most like peaceful, harmonious interaction. And so <laughs> it's okay to have boundaries and to know you know, what topics are okay and what aren't and to find a level that you do connect on with them and a level that they can connect with you on as well and honor each other's humanity in that. And then I think that there's a deeper ease in being able to share our gifts with the world because we know that like our family is still going to love us and understand us on some level, even if it isn't for our complete full spectrum self, because Like myself, I'm like, you know, a black sheep in the family. No one else in my family is spiritual in the same way that I am. I have family who are religious, but not spiritual. 
And so I don't share everything, every part of my path with them unless they ask and then I'll tell them. So I think that it's important to have those boundaries and to come to terms and come to peace with the sense that they don't need to know everything about your journey unless you really feel the need to tell them for some reason. And then in that, we have a deeper sense of safety being with them. Yeah, totally. I remember once you said on Instagram that setting boundaries with family members is actually a form of ancestral healing. It's so true. You know, and, you know, some people don't have contact with a family member and they think, you know, what can I do to heal this relationship with them? And then I would ask, like, is it really healthy for you to go down that path of healing that relationship with them? Because if someone is abusive, then it's not healthy to do that unless there's, you know, this deep call. But sometimes it's an act of love and it's an act of ancestral healing to set that boundary and stick to it. And I don't encourage it unless someone is actually in that abusive situation. But also with family members who aren't necessarily abusive, who just might not understand you, it's a form of ancestral healing as well, because it's actually keeping you feeling safe and allowing for you to deepen in seeing yourself in a way that other family members can't see you. And that self-awareness and that self-love and that inner trust is going to impact your lineage. It's going to impact that family member, even if they're unaware of it. That's like the magic of ancestral healing is when we do the work to fully embody our magic, to fully, you know, just free that like liberated woman inside, that is even without our family members knowing, touching them too. That is touching our ancestors, even thousands of years in the past, like hundreds of generations ago who weren't able to do that work. Because, and you know this, the work of embodiment work coming into the body is going to touch the DNA. It's literally going to touch the DNA and we're not just our physical bodies and our DNA isn't just physical DNA. We have this energetic constant always connection to all of the ancestors in our lineage who have all who have lived throughout time they live in every cell of our body and so as we embody our truth it liberates them knowing that a descendant somewhere down the line has done that work so powerful so 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 powerful i am becoming more and more curious about how to connect to our lineage, you know, how to discover our lineage. Like for me, I have some idea, but I, it's something that I want to kind of like dive deeper into, but I've been sort of like, I'll just be real talk for a sec. Like I didn't want to take one of those DNA tests. Cause I have like conspiracies about what they're going to do <laughs> with my yeah. DNA. <laughs> I'm like, who's buying that? Who's that being given to? Um, So I'm curious, is there a way to start connecting to your ancestors, finding out more about the cultures that your ancestors originated from? Like what's the pathway to doing that? Mm, There are so many ways and you don't need to take a DNA test. I love that you brought that up. So this is like a whole podcast episode in itself. I'll touch upon some of my favorite things and the recommendations that are coming to me right now. So number one is knowing that you can connect to your ancestors, even if you don't know who they are. Like this is something I talk about with people who are adopted and they don't know their birth family or people who don't know who their father is. They've never you know, known their biological father, etc. So no matter what your circumstance is, no matter who you are, you can connect to your ancestors. 
And not just in the spiritual sense of closing your eyes and feeling them, but you can literally remember the stories of your ancestors. You can remember the specific things that happened in their lives. So this is the work that I do. This is my one-on-one ancestral healing session is I support women through my process. It's called the mythic memory method. I support women to go back to a time that a core wound happened in their lineage. And when we go there, we go there with an ancestral guide. We're deeply grounded. We're protected. We have healthy boundaries with ancestors who are unwell. And when we go there, when we travel back to this moment that a core wound happened, even the people who are afraid that they won't see anything, they won't experience anything, have tears streaming down their face as they share exactly what they're seeing with precise detail. And, you know, some people see, some people hear, some people feel, but everyone, every single person with no exception who I've done a session with has these full bodied, deep, vivid memories of what happened in their lineage thousands of years ago. They can see their ancestor or ancestors who are in the situation and a scene begins to unfold. They can hear the words that were exchanged. They can feel the emotions that were felt during that time when a core wound happened in their lineage. And so what we do is through retrieving these ancestral memories, which we can all tap into because it literally lives in our bodies, it literally lives in our DNA. When we tap into these memories, we're able to facilitate an ancestral healing with the ancestors during that time. And because this is during a core wound, the time that a core wound happened in the lineage, when we facilitate that ancestral healing, we then integrate it through the entire lineage into the present moment. And you might even be able to see like a question that I often guide people to ask of their ancestral guide is, please tell me the story of my lineage. And you'd be amazed once you connect with an ancestral guide and you literally just ask that question, they will show you, whether it's through bodily sensation or visions, they will show you the story of what has happened through your lineage, the way that certain ancestral wounds and ancestral gifts have lived in your lineage through time. And so that's part one of my answer to your question, Amy, is you can literally remember the events that have happened in your lineage. You can remember the ancestors. You can see their faces. You can see what they wore. You can retrieve their names. And it's not as hard or difficult as one might think. So that's part one. Part two is talking to your elders. So if you have grandparents or a great aunt or a great uncle, if you don't have elders in your life, then talking to your mother or your father or an aunt or an uncle or someone in your family doing actual interviews with them and receiving, retrieving all of the information that you can about your lineage. And then in particular, if you know where your ancestors lived you can look up those areas and look into the folk cultures associated with those areas to tap into the magic. And so one of the ways that I personally love to connect with my ancestors is looking at the folk cultures and the folk traditions of that place and doing the same traditions in my life. And you can reinvent them. You can do them in whatever way feels good to you. So that could include holidays that they would have celebrated, like, for example, the high holy days, such as Samhain. And you can do traditions that your ancestors would have done. So some people say, this is something I heard on the Mythic Medicine podcast with Amber Magnolia Hill, that your ancestors recognize things that you do that they did. So our ancestors might not recognize sitting and scrolling on a phone. 
because many of them didn't do that. But what they can recognize very easily and relate to is when you stir a pot full of soup, you know, when you stir Mm. with a wooden ladle, like this is literally an action that you can do with your body that your ancestors have done through time, that the women have done, perhaps even the witches, if you had witches in your lineage, right? It's like a very recognizable thing or when you walk barefoot on the earth or when you put your hand or your heart onto a tree. So looking at all of the things, even weaving, like what did your ancestors do? If you found out that your ancestors, you know, there was like a painter in your lineage or a potter in your lineage, connecting with them through that activity and beginning to feel that in your movements, they are connected to you through time. And there's also this beautiful theory. My majoring in college was cultural anthropology, and I wrote a whole thesis on basically connecting to ancestors through time. Long story. But um, there's this theory that this anthropologist has that when you are in ritual space, you're connecting with all of your ancestors who have ever been in ritual space as well. For example, when there's a fire lit outside and you're drumming next to the fire, how many ancestors of yours have done that? When you are in a trance state, how many ancestors before you have also been in one as well? And when we're in these ritual states or trance states, we're able to connect to those ancestors. You might even feel them in your body. Like I've felt this before where I'm, you know, drumming and I feel my face is transformed into this old woman. My hair is gray and wiry. I have different colored eyes. I feel my body as her body. And so there are so many ways that we can connect to them. So there's the spiritual and then there's the practical of research. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. So many pearls of wisdom here. And the thing that I do really want to riff with you on a little bit is like just looking at what's going on in the world right now. Like when I look at the world right now, I'm like there is some wild recoding happening It's like a cosmic menstruation. It's like the world is purging. And there's a lot of people in the spiritual communities who are, you know, from a place of love, almost like trying to warn everyone, like the apocalypse is coming. This is happening. This is the agenda. And Mm -hmm. I have a very like strong awareness of all of that information and conspiracy and thoughts about what's going on. But I also think like this could be a time of really big healing. This could be a time of restructuring. This could be a time where people actually get almost like jolted back into their truth and their reality and like their heart. So Mm -hmm. I would be really curious to hear like from your perspective, given your wisdom and your expertise in in this body of work, like what do you see is going on at the moment? Mm. Oh my God. Okay. Yes. So there's so many parts to the answer that I want to give you. The first one is I feel that our world right now is going through like an ancestral reckoning. I feel that the ways of our ancestors and feminine wisdom have been largely forgotten and we're going through an awakening. And a part of that is that things will happen in order to shake us awake so many of us have been desensitized by the media, by the news, like, you know, flipping on the news, you might see there's a tsunami that happened in another country. And, you know, this many thousands of people are dead. And then people go on and eat their dinner. You know, it's like, when you see something like that, 
it, there's, there's not usually this deep sense that hits you of this grief that you actually feel and can process through. And so because we've seen so much violence, so much sadness, and like, you know, even in the media, scenes with gore and blood and murder, we've become desensitized to feeling. And I feel that Gaia, the earth is giving us these opportunities to awaken. And in order to awaken us, we need to be jolted awake by something huge that will access us and hit us beyond the desensitized layers that will hit us like deep in the heart. And so I think a part of that is this reckoning and this awakening of, you know, awakening to our humanity, awakening to the wisdom of our ancestors, the indigenous ways, the cries of the earth as she calls out for us to remember her and step into our healing. And a deep part of that is going to be the spiritual journey. So that's one layer to the question you asked. Let me feel into what else is present here. <sighs> yeah, that's what's coming through for me right now. Let's riff on that. Yeah, I mean, as you were just talking, I was thinking about, you know, the nature of persecution around the time of like the witch trials, for example. And I've watched various things like, you know, portraying that time. And I just remember thinking like, oh my goodness, like, fuck that. Like one person accuses you and suddenly you're on trial and there's all these angry people yelling at you. And it's like this deeply unfair, like crazy situation. And then I was just thinking about some of the patterns that I'm noticing in the collective and the mainstream at the moment. And it feels almost like similar to that sometimes where it's like mm -hmm. this segregation of people who are vaccinated, people who are unvaccinated, good and bad, like evil and like pure, mm -hmm. um, you know, you can do this, but you can't do this. Pow powers that be, authorities that be can take away your sovereignty in a second. And like, everyone's mm -hmm. going to cheer for that and persecute you for that. And I'm like, I don't know how to feel about it, to be honest. I'm kind of just like viewing it from afar on my ranch in Spain, but it's like, mm. it's an interesting time. I feel, I feel like it's like one for the history books. Oh my God. It's so true. Yeah. There's like this polarization that's happening. And in that there is going to be a lot of this stuff that's brought up. I think that there's a reason that the witch wound is even more alive in our consciousness today and everything you're talking about too, you know, the polarization, the finger pointing, the accusations, the persecution. I feel like these things are being brought up because people need to understand what they stand for. And I think this is a lot of, you know, tapping into the feminine wisdom that lives within our bodies is like, what do you stand for? What feels true for you? And how deeply are you going to back that? How, are you ready? Like how deeply are you ready to face the fear of what others may think or, you know, the consequences of you literally feeling something as truth in your body and standing to it and speaking to it, right? Like aligning the womb space inner knowing with the throat chakra and standing deeply in your power and in your belief. And I think that a part of this is there's a lot of opportunity for healing. I think this in a way is like a purging of old like systems that keep us trapped and ensnared in this collective spell. There's like this unspelling that's happening right now on a collective level. And that is the awakening 
right? So as we break free from the spell of society or the government or people telling us what to do, who to be, what to believe, being indoctrinated, as we break free from that spell and we find our own power, that might mean that you're completely out of the mainstream and you think for yourself. And also at the same time, maybe some of the things that are being shared by I don't know, the government or society still do resonate. And so there's going to be people on every part of that spectrum. But yeah, I love what you shared too about, you know, the the purging, because all of this is coming up for some reason. I really believe that like there's a divine intelligence to everything. And although there are like different agendas within that, I myself rest in the deep trust that those of us who are here in the name of love, in the name of liberation, in the name of divine connection are a part of the awakening that the world needs. And then leaders such as yourself, teachers, like guides who are here to step into their gifts are going to help heal others, help others on their path of awakening and ultimately help the consciousness of the world awaken. And so I think that the polarization is obviously very harmful and hurtful and can be very triggering. And there are tools that we have now in ways that our ancestors didn't so that we can do that deep healing work and just embody our truth in a way that possibly has never been done before on this planet. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, healing and awakening is messy as fuck. So (laughs) we're just seeing that on like a next level amplified like way at the moment, (laughs) I feel. And you're right, you know, we do have so much more safety as women, not in every single part of the world, but like typically speaking, and if you're listening to a podcast, presumably, you know, you live in a modern place where we have more safety than we've probably ever had before as women, still a ways to go. And we have like avenues for our empowerment that are actually safe to explore like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I would add to that too, that it's, I really believe that it's a sacred responsibility if we're able to do this work, if we're able to use our voices or step into our magic or share our gifts with the world, it's a sacred responsibility to do so because of those today who aren't able to, because of the thousands of ancestors in our lineage and the thousands of women through time, millions of women through time who weren't able to. And so we've literally been given this gift. Like there's a reason that you and your specific soul incarnated on this planet during this time. And even into the family that you incarnated in, into the DNA, into, you know, the cultural background that you incarnated into. And like Amy said, presumably, if you are listening to this, you might be in a more modern society. In that case, there is a sacred responsibility to use our voices for those who can't or who historically weren't able to. Yeah, so powerful. The other thing that I've really noticed since I've been on my healing journey and, you know, the path of embodiment and self-realization is that people in my family have changed. And Mm -hmm. it's not because I'm like, hanging out with them and like presenting them resources at the dinner table (laughs) because I live like across the world and haven't seen my family in like at least two years because of COVID. So it's, it's so interesting to me how I've seen that transformation ripple into my family by almost like 
energetic osmosis. Yeah, I think that's the impact that we're having on our families. And it goes, it goes deeper, like, you know, it, it hits the family. And I really believe also, this is like a part of, you know, my woo woo witchy wisdom is I believe that we're also put on specific places on the planet in order to also anchor these energies and these frequencies into these places on the planet. So whether the place that you're at has a history or something unfortunate happened there and you're here to heal it through your own journey or whether you're in a place that nothing specifically bad happened, you're literally like when I zoom out and see the world, it's like there's these little sparks of light all over and we're literally put on a certain place on the earth to hold a frequency. It's like our bodies are crystals and we're gridding the earth with this awakening frequency. And so it impacts our families, it impacts the earth, it impacts our lineages. And then there's also this entire unseen spiritual realm that I believe is like highly connected to us or highly invested in our awakening as well. And because we are here in the physical, we also have the opportunity for, you know, the spiritual realm to be shifted in an even deeper way than ever. We have the opportunity to be here in these bodies, doing this work, working with our DNA, working with our ancestors in a way that the ancestors on the other side simply can't do. So there's so many layers to it. And I love that you spoke to that because I really truly believe that those of us who are doing this work are impacting more than we even realize. Like it's rippling out beyond our comprehension. And that's like a big part of the feminine wisdom, right? Is the mind cannot even comprehend how important this work is right now at this time on earth. And that's why I encourage women so much to step into their freaking power and spiritual gifts is because your gifts are needed here. Your power is needed here. Like you exist here during this time in the place that you're at for a reason. So even if you're afraid of what others think of you, even if there's this fear of persecution that's living in your body around sharing your gifts, your gifts are so needed. And for anyone who's wondering like, who am I to blah, 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 you know, the imposter syndrome voice that lives within us. Like, who are you not to? The divine literally gave you these gifts. And like I said, sacred responsibility. There is a deep, profound, sacred responsibility to trust the divine, to trust the gifts that the divine gave us and to clear the channel and clear the way for the divine to work through us in our lives. And I believe that each of us was created for a specific purpose. And even if the mind doesn't comprehend it, I believe that the feminine wisdom within all of us does. And so when we step into, you know, being that open channel for the divine to work through and sharing our gifts with the world, whatever they may be, it's a part of the, it's like a puzzle piece of this huge collective puzzle, this thread in a tapestry that the divine is weaving through us for the awakening of our planet and consciousness for all of humanity and beyond. So fucking powerful. (laughs) (laughs) enough said enough said so fucking powerful I agree I think it is I would say it's even selfish to withhold your gifts right I would even go Mm -hmm. that far a bit of tough love and be like it is selfish (laughs) for you to hold that back because imagine all of the people that you could help that you could create a safe space for that you could be a permission slip for it's like so crazy and so profound and like you said like the mind almost can't even comprehend it until it's happening Mm -hmm. someone out there is waiting for your gifts to be shared 
someone out there is literally praying for you right now. They don't know that it's you, but they're praying for someone just like you. And I think that, like you said, there's this, like it's selfish. And also there's like a deep humility in sharing our gifts. A lot of people confuse sharing your gifts with ego or identity, you know, and I think it actually takes a deep humility and courage to allow for your gifts to move through you, understanding that it's bigger than you. And you can, if it helps for anyone who's like, ah, I'm really scared, it can help to devote your gifts when you share them to something bigger than you so that anytime that you doubt yourself, you can always connect back to that deeper why. Like, why are you sharing your gifts with the world? Are you devoting this to, you know, your ancestors? Are you devoting this to the earth? Are you devoting this to, you know, a friend who may have killed herself earlier in your life who you were deeply close with? I don't know why I just said that. That's like, I feel like that's for somebody in particular. Like, who are you devoting this to? And when we realize that it's not just about us, when we devote and dedicate our gifts and our healing to something bigger than us, it allows for us to take a step back and to allow the divine to work through us and to deeply trust in the gifts that we've been given. Amazing. I love that you use that word humility as well. That's in one of my gene keys. I'd be curious if you have the same one because I know we have really similar <laughs> astrology. <laughs> it's, it's like crazy. The, the same chart. But it, it, was, it was really interesting when I found this key, babe, because it's like in the gene keys, it's like the gift of humility, uh, the shadow of arrogance and the way mm. that the gene keys actually describes arrogance and humility, it's almost like the reverse of how we think of those things. And so it, it was explaining in the book that arrogance actually is like withholding your gifts and withholding your greatness because it's coming from like, what does everyone else think about me versus wow. like humility is is boldly and brightly sharing what is there to be shared because it's like it doesn't matter what people think and it's like at that level you're not even thinking about how your fiery unapologetic transmission or your gifts or your personality is being perceived because you're deeply tapped into the humility of who you are and what you have to share mm. oh my god I just felt that in every cell of my body you so probably deeply. got this key <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I think that that describes you so perfectly. Like, Amy, you're just fucking so powerful. And the way that you share your gifts, it is literally just like always through the heart. It is it is so generous and so big. And you really are that permission slip for so many people. And I see that humility in you. And I think that that's also a huge part of you being like, I don't give a fuck, you know, is because you're so deeply trusting in that your gifts are needed and you're not letting yourself get in your own way. And that totally is humility. Thank you, babe. Thank you for recognizing me. The projector of me is just like, <laughs> give it to me, baby. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. Before we wrap things up, you have an incredible course out at the moment and people who listen to this episode need to know about it. So can you share it with us? Absolutely. 
Yeah, it's called the Witch Wound Course, and it's all about everything that we've been talking about in this podcast episode. So it's six weeks. We begin on Day of the Dead, November 2nd, and it's going to be six beautiful, juicy live calls where we're not only diving into teachings on how to help you trust your gifts, how to help you shine your light, how to help you let go of the fear of what others think, but there's also going to be deep embodiment rituals and processes that we walk through together to bring this work into your life in very real ways. And of course, the element of sisterhood and community for that deep, deep support so that you can literally practice this work and community as well. So it's the Witch Wound course, and I'm so excited for it. I literally, a couple months ago, this came through so deeply because I was asking the divine, like, what is the one thing that I could do that would bring me the most freaking joy that would just let my total magic and gifts come out to support women in doing the same. And it just flowed through me. And so I'm so excited to get weird and get witchy and just to dive into this healing work. And I really feel that so many women are needing it. So the witch wound course. Amazing. And your sacred ancestry on Instagram. It sounds fucking amazing. Thank you. It sounds I'm so, so amazing. excited. So I'm amazing. So excited. Thank oh you, my Amy. Goodness. Thank you so much, love, for your beautiful wisdom and magic and your depth and just your profound codes on all of these really special things. And just thank you for being who you are in the world. I see you. Oh my gosh. Amy, I love you. I see you. I freaking love you I so love you. much. <laughs> It's been such an honor to be here and I just loved our conversation and sending so much love to everyone who's listening in. You are so freaking worthy to shine your light, to be your most fully expressed self, to step into your magic and your feminine power and your gifts. And I'm just so excited to see what you become. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you, and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful and it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode and until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.